0: we just come from a lunch where the speaker uh, joined an American chorus in warning that the bilateral relationship is deteriorating very fast, with severe consequences into the future. As you see it, drawing on your own insights, where do you see that future?
1: Well, certainly um, the uh, bilateral relations are now um, entering a stage of major uh, transformation Um, which may um, take a long time to complete this process. And we are now uh, uh, at the beginning of this process. Um, Certainly, uh, we see the change uh, in this relationship, not only in the uh, the atmospheric, but also in the substance. Uh, In terms of the um, mutual perceptions towards each other, I think um, people in two countries uh, tend to view the other side uh, more negatively uh, as compared with before. Um, As a matter of substance, I think now two countries um, have serious disputes over uh, economic dimension, security dimension, as well as the uh, political dimension of this relationship. Uh, To some extent, uh, this is quite rare, because in the past, um, from time to time, we also uh, run into uh, problems in this relationship, sometimes on the political side, sometimes on the security side. But unlike uh, this time, you know, uh, this time is more comprehensive. Uh, This overall relationship seems to be run into um, structural uh dilemma, so the question for the future is really uh whether we can still maintain um, cooperative uh relationships with uh, um, competition uh as part of this uh, uh, picture or this relationship will move to um Be more confrontational uh, as a result of um, the uh, competition. So um, think about the future really tests our uh, um, imagination because, uh, as I mentioned, it is the first time since normalization that we are facing this kind of situation.
0: As I speak with you, I notice that you're wearing a lapel pin with the two flags of China and the United States twinned together. For the past 40 years, this has been one of the great stories of Mm -hmm. contemporary history, Mm -hmm. how these two countries have managed to establish a global future Mm -hmm. that's more secure and wealthier and healthier than before. So with the future that you just described, one of the points that you mentioned was that you feel that this is just the beginning. Mm Thus, should we just adjust ourselves to a new sense of normalcy and abandon the one that has uh, been the pillar for the past four decades?
1: Well, I think uh, now there are um, different uh, trends are driving, um, driving this relationship. So uh, we should not allow this relationship to be, you know, just carried forward uh, by uh, various trends. I think people in um, two countries uh, should work hard to make sure that in the next uh, 40 years uh, this relationship will be not only largely stable, but more importantly cooperative, so that uh, uh, it will solve the interests of two countries, but also The entire world. Um, I think drawing lessons from the past four decades, when we think, when we manage it, this relationship, we not only take into consideration the uh, interests of two countries, but also the interests of the region and the world as a whole. Now, in the U.S., this is an administration which does not have much interest in globalization and global governance. It tends to view relations with other countries, with China included, in a more uh, narrowly uh, defined context, in a bilateral context. And this is why it has uh, chosen to pursue a more unilateralist approach um, to relation with other countries, including with China. If we do not have a broad perspective on this relationship, it's very difficult um, to introduce uh, elements of cooperation uh, in multilateral settings at the global level to this relationship. And as a result of that, you will pay more and more attention to the competitive uh, side of this relationship without uh, thinking about a broader picture. So to get back to your question, yes, uh, we should work hard to make sure that we always put this relationship in a broader perspective and and always against uh, a backdrop which reflects a global uh, uh, needs uh, in this relationship. If we can do that, then we can keep our competition in perspective. So at this moment, when people focus more and more on competition, I think we should remind them and we should remind ourselves that do not forget, never forget that there is a great potential for cooperation between our two sides.
0: At the same time, as you describe this current administration as being one that is not interested in globalization, the current government in, or the current leadership in China has been rewriting the multilateral story. You have Boa, of course, BRICS, the Community of Nations, Belt and Road, the BRICS Bank, and more and more. Um, Is China simply going to Spot an opportunity here in the absence of the United States, that there is a vacuum, so to speak, and therefore seek partners unwillingly, perhaps, from elsewhere. And where could those partners come from, potentially?
1: Well, um, I think globalization has come to a stage uh, in which uh, emerging economies are going to play a larger role, simply because... um, they are becoming um, more important in global economy and they have more resources to contribute to uh, globalization. So we should understand China's uh, uh, growing role in globalization and global governance in that context. Having said that, uh, I still believe it's very important for China uh, to promote uh, globalization Um, in two ways. One is to continue to work with the U.S. and other developed countries, because uh, to some extent, I think the U.S. is uh, uh, still very much indispensable uh, to this process, uh, given its um, uh, role uh, uh, in the international uh, affairs, especially given the role of U.S. economy, in world economy. So um, I have a globalization cannot proceed without uh, an active uh, role from the United States. On the other hand, China will also continue to work with the emerging economies, Uh, India, Brazil, uh, Mexico, Indonesia, they are coming, so they are becoming more and more important. So if this is going to be uh, like a process based on two pillars, we, we have to make sure that the two pillars will um, uh, 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 match each other uh, as they move uh, uh, forward. So uh, even though in the, uh, in the recent years, China has uh, paid more and more attention to cooperation with the emerging economies, but I think China-U.S. cooperation uh, remain essential and crucial um, to the healthy development of globalization.
0: On that point, I want to go beyond the bilateral relationship to pounce on what you just mentioned there, which is the bigger meaning of this relationship Mm. in how it impacts humanity. Mm. If we look back at the spirit and the intent of the decision made back in 1979 to normalize diplomatic relations, it was to bring together more than a billion people on two different ends of the planet to help secure peace and obviously to help unify dream for a better tomorrow. With that in mind, when we think about the intent of that, do you think China has the capability as an emerging nation to uh, truly have its impact felt? Because uh, we still live in a world dominated by the Bretton Woods system. We still live in a post-World War II structure where the world as the United States sees it, is very much in its own image.
1: Um, let me put it uh, this way. Um, over the last uh, four decades, uh, China has been a major beneficiary of the international system, especially on the economic front. Um, so for China, uh, it's very important that we will work with other stakeholders To continue to uh, maintain and preserve the current international order. That's for sure. On the other hand, of course, we understand um, there are many uh, deficits, deficiencies with the current uh, international system, which needs to be uh, repaired, improved, reformed, and even supplemented. So China should also, as I said, work with um, the emerging economies and developing world to push for the uh, necessary improvement and reform of the current international system. And whenever necessary and uh, possible, we should also help create new institutions that will supplement rather than replace the current international institutions, especially on, on uh, international financial and economic dimension. So um, I don't think this is going to be a process in which China can uh, alone make the decision and uh, shoulder all the burden. Uh, Actually, it requires China to work uh, more skillfully with uh, not only the emerging economies, but also the uh, uh, developer world, particularly the United States. And in this regard, it's going to be a new challenge how China can um, work with the Trump administration, which has become more suspicious of the current international system and also becoming more reluctant to shoulder its uh, responsibility for global governance. So I think it's quite a big challenge for China.
0: There is an identity crisis emerging here. Uh, young people and not young people around the world are struggling to find their place in a rapidly changing global structure. What would you say to young Americans and young Chinese about where they are in the world today and therefore how they can prepare themselves for what may come tomorrow?
1: Well, um, several things to say. Um, One is that uh, we have to realize that the world is uh, changing very rapidly um, because of the uh, uh, globalization of of world economy and also because of the uh, advancement in um, new technology. So we should um, keep an open um, mindset uh, towards the uh, um, uh, changes in this world and do not try to evade and even resist the tide of change. So that's one thing. The second is that we should also recognize that this is an um, interdependent world. Um, Interdependence brings uh, a lot of positive things, but also uh, negative things uh, in terms of uh, economic (coughs) challenges from the emerging economies. This may be particularly um, challenging for the uh, young people in the US. to say uh, more competition uh, coming from China, India, and other countries, um, I think what they can do is not to um, uh, dodge the competition, but rather how to make themselves better prepared um, to meet the uh, uh, challenge. And third, I think uh, think about the future of the world, the future of two countries. Um, The most important thing is that how can China and the US cooperate in the 21st century, uh, not only um, to bring uh, prosperity to the world, but also uh, more uh, peace and security to this world. So in a time when China is becoming um, uh, more prosperous, uh, more capable, and more self-confident, it's quite a, a challenge for the Americans to learn how to live with uh, China, which may be different from what they uh, are familiar with in the last several decades. Mm -hmm. And also for China, the same case for the young people, when they feel more self-confident, how to uh, 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 learn to work uh, with others, including uh, young people in the United States, and uh, to uh, be uh, uh, open-minded, and uh, uh, to uh, continue to learn uh, from others. This is also
0: uh, 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 a challenge. Two very interesting sides of a coin that you just described Mm -hmm. there. Wu Xinpo, you're not just a leading authority on the bilateral relationship, but of course you're also a leading educator, executive dean at the Institute of International Studies at Fudan University in Shanghai. As such, you shape young minds. What do those young minds say to you? What do they think about the U.S.?
1: Well, frankly, um, students um, at Fudan University, uh, when they look at the U.S. today, uh, it's hard for them to believe that the U.S. is is in a good um, uh, state of affairs. Basically, if you look at the current uh, government shutdown, I mean, that, uh, that has um, uh, been uh, re- record-breaking in terms of the how many days the government has been shut down. What happened with the political system? Why, you know, um, uh, people from two parties cannot uh, compromise and make a deal for the uh, national interests? So why the US political system suddenly doesn't work well as they used to in the past, and also um, they find, you know, some of uh, Trump administration's foreign policies, especially on the economic front, very much against um, the traditional way the U.S. Um, uh, conducted relations with other countries and with other, uh, with uh, multilateral institutions. The U.S. has become more um, uh, nationalistic, more protective and sometimes uh, even more uh, irrational. So people are trying to tell, you know, whether this is just a kind of a, uh, trans transitory uh, situation, transcendent situation, or that's going to be the new norm for the United States. And when they come to me with these questions, frankly speaking, I cannot answer their questions with for uh, covenants.
0: I was going to say that sitting right opposite you, you seem as mm-hmm. bewildered at points mm-hmm. as your students have expressed to you mm-hmm. They how they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a great eye to history as well, not just in the last couple of decades, but far, far before that. You wrote a book, Major Powers in China, which looked at the landscape or the makeup of China at the turn of the 20th century. Um, Could you have seen this coming, what's happening in the United States, but more importantly, how this relationship seems to have taken on a new turning point?
1: Well, um, history always uh, takes turns, Um, sometimes uh, 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 in a very uh, unpredictable way. Um, I mean, for China over the last one decade, we have seen the um, uh, twins uh, up and down in uh, the uh, national history. Uh, One was, uh, of course, um, during the Japanese invasion of China. And the second time was in 1949. And then, uh, again, uh, during Cultural Revolution. And then in 1979, when Deng Xiaoping started uh, the open-up and reform uh, uh, process. For the United States, um, I would say to some extent this is the first major test uh, since the end of World World War II. Uh, Before the advent of Trump, I think the U.S. was largely moving on the trajectory as laid out uh, by these leaders after World War II. I mean, Trump may be the only, the first U.S. president after World War II, which has uh, decided to uh, turn inward, if not for uh, isolationist agenda, but certainly more protectionist agenda, which will have uh, uh, huge ramifications, not only for U.S. relations with other countries, but also for U.S. international standing. Uh, I think this kind of change to some extent came uh as a surprise because um even though we understand you know after the two thousand eight financial and economic crisis the u s is entering a more turbulent uh uh euro but you know after Trump came into office, the change in the policy uh has happened so quickly and dramatically, uh, frankly speaking, um, that went beyond my expectation. So um, today, I think I need to spend more time to think about um, the US, not the US on, on east west coast, but rather the US in the heartland, you know. What really uh, um, happened uh, in the West. Um, that are reshaping Americans' mindset about its relations with the outside world. So uh, that remains to be a challenge. Whether or not the U.S. will come back to its normal uh, situation remains to be an open question, but I sincerely hope that um, the U.S. um, in the not-too-distant future we are be become more uh out looking uh more uh metropolitan uh more uh, uh internationalist and also more uh, uh, uh cooperation cooperative uh in relations or with other countries including with china
0: the end of the second world war and the period that immediately followed that marked a dismantling of the then british empire uh the breakdown of Uh, colonialization on its part. And there you really saw the United States beginning to accelerate very quickly forwards and also it benefited not just Americans, but I think as you would agree as well, it benefited a lot of people outside of the United States as well. Coming up to 2019, which is a very challenging year ahead, will there be a power-sharing agreement if not for China to replace the United States, which of course it's still far behind in some respects, will the United States have the capacity to give a little space to China if it continues to expand and grow at the rate it has done since reform and opening up in 78?
1: Well, I think the US um, is divided over this question, whether or not um, it should, be more accommodating to rise in China. Uh, actually, um, if you look at the case of AIB, Asian Infrastructure Investment uh, Bank, uh, that was created uh, by China in 2015 uh, 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 when Obama uh, was president. I think the U.S. responded to this I- initiative with a very discouraging Attitude. Basically, the US uh, tried to block uh, China from um, establishing this new uh, multilateral financial institution. Uh, I think behind that is a kind of uh, mentality that the US does not want to share power with China uh, uh, in the area of uh, international finance. Um, Of course, uh, Obama failed to uh, block. uh, China's initiative. Um, then the question is: Do people in this country learn lessons from it? Some may, some may do, some may not. So today, when um, um, read the debate in the U.S. about you know how to deal with a rising China, I think the primary uh, rationale behind the U.S. attitude is how can the U.S. Um, maintain its primacy vis-a-vis a rise in China. Um, to get there, uh, uh, one solution is that you should try to slow down and if possible disrupt uh, China's rise. So um, the current trade war between China and U.S. can be partly explained by this kind of rationality. So that is something worrisome, because uh, frankly speaking, if the US uh, aims to uh, slow down or even interrupt, um, disrupt China's rise, the US will pay a very high cost, given the high degree of economic interdependence between our two economies. So in that case, that will lead to a, a lose-lose situation. So I think Americans need to, you know, think very hard on this issue, how to uh, uh, make um, the best use of the rest of China to help promote the U.S. economic growth rather than trying to uh, contain a rise in China while the U.S. will pay a high cost.
0: Uxinpo, it's a great pleasure listening to your insights and thoughts at this very challenging time for everyone. Thank you.